Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Uh, today we have another guest on the Locked On Penguins podcast. Um, probably one of the best follows on Penguins Twitter that I would say. Yeah, he has a lot of really good content that he tweets out during the games. A lot of good jokes as well. Um, uh, Mad Chad four one two or just Chad? How you doing today? Just just Chad. How you doing today, Chad? I'm doing good, man. Uh, yeah, Chad's fine. Mad Chad. That's how most people know me. Although I dropped that moniker a long time ago, but yeah, Chad's fine or Mad Chad, either one. Yeah, doing good, though, Matt. Good having me. Perfect. Yeah, of course. I wanted you to come on the podcast for a long time, and it's great that we can finally talk. Uh, some penguins, but you know, how would you assess the team uh, through the first fifty or so games? You know, how do you think they're going to do going into the uh, second half now of the season with the thirty-two games left? Uh, man, I mean, this team has uh, really exceeded all my expectations, especially after the last two years. I'm so happy that they have gone back to embracing what was already a proven working formula of embracing, you know, speed, skill, youth. Um, they, they got rid of a lot of uh, what I would call dead weight and added on a lot of guys that have made, you know, big impact. John Marino, I mean, no one saw this coming. Uh, he honestly, uh, I know Jesse Marshall, he's a big, uh, he's a friend of mine. Yep. He's, he's beating that drum at the Athletic. I mean, he is a legitimate Calder trophy, and he's not only that. I mean, I could have made a case for him to maybe even been an all-star this year. He's that good. Uh, Brandon Tanev, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think he was anything more than maybe a, a depth bottom six guy. He's a legit top nine forward that's making a nightly impact. I love his speed. I love his game. Um, Dominic Cahoon, again, getting motto for Cahoon, that's a big win for this team. He's a guy that is making plays, uh, you know, and this team is dominating possession, dominating shot quality. Their speed is so good, and they're getting goaltending now, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. So, yeah, I mean, I think this team is uh, another top six addition away from contending for yet again another Stanley Cup. Yeah, and I think they're going to get that top six winger. Um, there's just there's so much smoke. There's more smoke today, of course, with Jason Zucker. And I feel like that's going to happen at sooner rather than later. Whenever Jim just gets on one of these players, he kind of just doesn't let them get away with the Phil Castle thing. But, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with everything. I mean, yeah, John Marino, no one saw this coming. Um, he should de- definitely easily be a Calder Trophy finalist. Uh, I always love reading what Jesse Marshall has to write about him for The Athletic. I'm hopefully going to have him on at some point to probably discuss about that. Um, yeah, the shot quality, the underlying numbers are absolutely outstanding. And the, one of the, I think the biggest things, the biggest differences from last year's team to this year's team is just how good defensively they are with the underlying numbers there. Um, the shot quality against, uh, scoring chances against, they're, I think they're top five in the league for almost every defensive um, metric right now. And um, a lot of that, I think, has to go to, obviously, Mike Sullivan, who should be the runaway favorite, I think, for the Jack Adams at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to find a bigger Mike Sullivan guy than me. I mean, I've maybe criticized him here and there for, you know, minor minor things, maybe playing Jack Johnson too much. But, again, you got to kind of play with the horses that you're dealt with. And he's done that. He's made the best of any situation. But, yeah, I mean, and this is a good thing about, um, you know, the stats people versus the eye test is, to me, the Penguins pass both those tests. You yes. can easily watch the play on a nightly basis and see the speed see the system that they run where it's based on, you know, getting the puck 
out the nice zone, nice clean exits, you know, and a good transition. But then the stats, they not because they don't have this like, well, look, see, they're doing it this style. And no, they had the formula. They, you know, Tom Wilson ruined everything. Tom Wilson ran over everybody and broke Zach Asmery's face. And Jim Rutherford went out and he was like, we got to, I don't know if he was Rocky or what the hell. He was like, we got to get tougher and we got to get bigger and stronger. And they brought in all the guys. And like last year's Penguins team, Versus this year, I mean, this last year, and the stats back it up as well because last year they were terribly, they were terrible five on five, and they survived on you know shooting percentage and good goaltending. And this year they have the five on five presence, but they also are getting the goaltending as well. Mike Sullivan, yeah, absolutely, he should probably be the coach of the year. Although if Columbus makes the playoffs. That's that SOB Tortorella might have something to say about it just because yeah. I've probably named like eight guys on Columbus's roster at the moment. But with all the injuries and everything, I mean, Sullivan, I mean, we got to start talking about if this guy carries them to another cup, you know, we got to start talking about maybe he's one of the best coaches of his era, let alone in the NHL right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think he'd probably go down. I think if he wins another cup with this team, I think you could probably say that he's probably the best coach in franchise history above Badger Bob. Um, I think he probably is, already has a case for that um, right now, and I know a lot of people um, love Badger Bob. I sadly was not alive for that um, era of Penguins hockey. I'm, such a, I'm too young for that, but, I mean, I did go through and watch a lot of the games and whatever. But, um, yeah, Chad, I think a, another big thing uh, going into, like, these last few, these few weeks coming up after the break is, you know, what is what is Jim going to do? You know, is he going to make a trade? I mean, I think he will, but we all know he's going to make for a four, but I think you could also make a case that he could make a trade for a defenseman. And um, I know some people will be like, oh, well, you know, they don't really need to. You know, Jack Johnson's been better this year, and it's like, well, has he really been better, or is he just not sucked like he did last season? And um, I feel like they could use an upgrade over him, but I just don't think the coach would. Like, I just don't think they would actually like just take him out of the lineup um, for the playoffs because defensively you can raw Dumoulin, Latang, Pedersen, Marino, and then if you want an upgrade over Jack Johnson, you could, and then you could probably keep Justin Schultz on the third pairing since I think that's probably where he is best suited right now. Anyway, coming back, he's just been so um, in and out of the lineup with so many injuries these last couple of years. Knowing Jim Rutherford, and you know this guy is, you know, he makes trades. That's kind of his mo. So I think they were already going to trade forward even before Jake Gensel got hurt. And now he's not coming back unless they maybe make the conference finals. He might be back, you know, whatever, sometime in around there, unless they go in a long run. So now you got to replace him because they don't have. Uh, uh, you, you're not going to go into the playoffs with Crosby playing with Hornquist and Dominic Simone. That's that, that can't happen. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm a I'm a Simone fan, but that can't happen. So you're going to go get a guy for, for Crosby. But now I think they go and maybe get a top six forward and maybe a bottom six forward as well. Because here's the thing: Galchenyuk does not fit on this team. He's not. He's not good, and he doesn't fit on the team. So I think they're going to move him in a trade for you know for a forward. But then also, you have Nick Boogstead coming back. Does he fit on this team? What is his role? Is he going to play the third-line center role? He's not really – he doesn't really fit the team to me because this team, again, we talked about it, is built on speed and transition game, and that's not really his game. 
and, and they've won. They're in, you know they're doing so well. He hasn't. He's hardly played at all, and he actually does have some value. So today I'm reading well, Bookstead could be involved in the Minnesota Wild trade, and then you swap Galchenyuk to another team, or maybe a, a guy like Pagu from uh, or however you say his name from Ottawa, Jean Gabriel Peugeot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for like a third license. I think they're going to trade for two forwards. One guy like Zucker, even though I'm still kind of on the Tyler Toffoli train a little bit. Tyler Toffoli has a little bit better underlying numbers, and he does seem like he's... And plus, the one thing that scares me about Zucker is the dude is coming off a broken leg. That's true. So that does, that does scare me a little bit about him. But, uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm not going to like be like, I can't believe I got Jason Zucker. I'm not going to be mad about it. It's going to be a great addition. But, yeah, I think they're going to do two trades... And yeah, so your defenseman, you got Latang and Dumlin, Schultz and Johnson is probably going to be a pairing, and bringing on Pedersen. What if one of those guys gets hurt? Do you see them winning a Stanley Cup with Chad Ruedel or UC Rukula playing 15 minutes a night? Or do you think they need a guy like, a guy that I like is Alec Martinez from the Kings, who's on the trade block, and he's, he'd be a rental. You probably get him from nothing more than like a third round pick. Why not? Why not? Because they have the cap space with Gensel out. So why not get yourself a nice little safety net knowing that you have an injury riddle team? Yeah, no, I I know. I agree. I think like with Zucker for the four, top six forward, I like him probably a little bit more than Tafoy because I like that he has like three years left of term. Uh, I know that. Um, of course, he's coming off the broken leg. I just I, I actually had to look it up a few days ago that Zucker had three years left on his contract. And um, I know Billy Garen kind of knows the system pretty well. I mean, he would, obviously, since he's been here so long. But uh, I really don't think that they would get as much of a return as he probably thinks he could, considering just for a player like that. And, yeah, you said it was the best box, Galchenyuk. They need to dump him. He's just been a disaster ever since coming over. And it's not for a lack of effort. I can actually see that he... You know, he puts the time in and tr- is actually trying out there, but he, it's just, it's not working out. And that's another 4.9 million in salary cap space that you can dump for, for potentially getting a forward. I, don't, uh, I mean, at least a draft pick, at least. I love a bottom six forward. You know, I think Jean Gabriel Pajot is probably going to get a, an okay return for Ottawa, considering he's had a bit of a breakout season. But yes, also someone like Alec Martinez would be um, absolutely. Um, awesome as well. I think if you have him as like your number seven guy, you know, maybe as your number six playing on the bottom pairing, I don't really think that would be too, too bad. And also the Kings are a team that they're one of the worst teams in the West, of course, that they're looking to sell. I wouldn't be surprised if they look to sell um, more pieces. <laughs> but also, the one Chad, thing I'll say about trading though, so I, I saw people on Twitter today, they're like, would you give a first round pick away for Pajot or for Zucker? And I saw Penn's fans on there saying, no, no way. Those guys aren't worth a first round pick. The, the NHL draft is so random. I mean, look at some of the guys in the Penguins. They're third round picks. Yeah. Undrafted rookies. Marino was a sixth round pick. Jake Gunter wasn't a first round pick. Brian Rush wasn't a first round pick. The Penguins are trying to win a Stanley Cup. Who gives a damn about a first round pick? Yeah. I'll trade my first round pick for a, for Jason Zucker, a guy that if he plays with Crosby Malkin is probably going to score around 60, maybe even 70 points a season. And he's a great two-way player and he's going to make our team better. Are you trying to win a Stanley Cup? Or are you trying to build for the future? 
if we're trying to build for the if we're trying to build for the future, that's fine. But if we're trying to win a Stanley Cup this year, then yes, you do what it takes outside of going crazy and giving away you know all of your best prospects. Draw, I'm fine with draft picks. Send them away. The only guys that I really want to hang on to is like Kalen Addison and and uh, Pullion. Uh, those those guys I want to keep. Yeah, those two, I think I would love to keep around. I think they were probably pretty intrigued about P.O. Joseph. I'd maybe like to keep him around as well. I don't know. Maybe there's talk about Hollander, but I don't really know too much about him either. But yeah, I mean, Jim Rutherford, he's shown time and time again that he doesn't give a shit about, you know, trading a first round pick because he, he does it. He's done it so many times. He did it in the, um, I think he did it in the Derek Broussard trade too. I think he gave up a first round pick for that. Phil Kessel, you know, gave up his first round pick for Ryan Reeves of all people. But, you know, I'm not, oh, yeah, I don't really want to talk about um, that either. But yeah, like I just, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. He's going to make this team better. Um, and man, let's face it, you know, they get a fourth cup. Uh, this is almost at the almost at the immortality stage uh, for Crosby and Malkin at this point. Like three, that's that's you've done your job. But, you know, four. I mean that that's just that would just be awesome. But also, Chad, I want to get into, of course, <clears throat> what came up this past Sunday: uh, the Murray stuff during the game, the, the the Bronx cheers, and the Murray Jari debate. I've long said on this podcast that I don't understand. Um, why people can't be objective when evaluating Matt Murray, but yet they weren't like that when they evaluate Tristan Jari because, you know, if he gives up a couple bad goals, and he's also struggled as of a bit lately. He gave up, he's given up three goals in six of his last seven starts, something his save percentage has gone down. I just don't get why they won't, people won't be as objective as they are about uh, Jari as they are with Murray. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that, this is probably the thing that I am, you know, enamored with the most of this fan base. So, Two things here. So, for one thing, yes, you, you said it correctly. Tristan, let's just say, Tristan Jari had, was a big reason, is, is a big reason why the Penguins are where they are. Because Matt Murray struggled in the first half of the season, and Tristan Jari played at, at times, which was a Vezina-level uh, goaltending, and helped them keep afloat. That being said, as all goalies do, because goalies, to me, are the most streaky positional players and maybe all of pro sports where they go through super highs yep. and super lows. We've seen the last month where it's completely flip-flopped. And now Matt Murray has won five straight, and he's operating at around a 925 save percentage. And Tristan Jari's save percentage has dropped 11 points in the last couple of weeks. And he's down to he was operating at a 909. So these goalies, they go through highs and lows, but the great part about having a tandem like this, just like it was with Flurry and Murray, is when one guy's slumping, you play the other guy more. Yes. And he's playing better. And that's literally what Sullivan did. And it worked. And it helped him win a Stanley Cup, of all things. And I don't understand the emotional bias that people have for these goalies because I don't give a damn. I, you know, I, I have my favorites, of course. But if Matt Murray's out there sucking and Jari's playing, play Jari. I, I'm not going to sit here and cry and, and be mad yep. that they bent my favorite goaltender. I don't care. I'm trying to win. These guys, I don't know these guys. They're not my friend. And that's what, I've, like, social media, you know, I try not to be, I see, like, boomers talk about, like, oh, you know, these, these millennials, they, and these, these kids, they, they think that they know these people. But I do see that sometimes, especially with the flurry stuff, because that's where all this Murray hate comes from, if we're being real. 
It's because Matt Murray played so well and was young and cheap that they were like, well, what the hell do we need Flurry for? Because he's making $7 million a year now in Vegas, and he's almost, you know, he's like 35 years old, and he's not even having a good season himself, by the way. He got so the coach why fired. <laughs> why would we keep him when we have this young goaltender? But that's the, that's business 101. You have, now they have, I mean, look at, if you look at the cap space right now, we want to talk about, oh, they can go out and make free trades right now. The big reason they can do that is because between Murray and Chari, they're paying these guys like $5 million this year. So you don't have a ton of money invested in your goaltending, yeah. yet you still are trying out a guy that's already won two cups. And then a guy that looks like he's going to be, you know, an all-star caliber goalie. And he was supposed to be that out the gate. But that's where all this resentment comes from is Murray took Flurry's job. And these people that hold that against him, I'm sorry. You guys are weird. I'm just going to let you know, listening to this podcast, you you are with Mark Andre Flurry is not your friend. You don't know him. You don't know his family. He doesn't give you money. You benefit nothing from pretending like you're this big flurry like supporter because are you a flurry supporter or are you a penguin supporter i think a lot of these people need to look in the mirror and be like what am i because you can go root for vegas they're not even in the playoffs right now as we speak yeah you that was perfectly well stated yeah and i mean me personally you know i grew up a mark andre flurry fan but you know what when it was time to make the action me too yeah yeah <laughs> me too yeah when it was time to make the decision there's no hesitation. You go with the younger, cheaper goalie. You see what has Every happened. Every single down GM would have made that same that same decision. By the way, every single one, all thirty, all thirty-one. Absolutely, yeah. You look what has happened down in Florida. They're lucky that they're in a playoff spot right now because Sergei Bobrovsky has gone down to the tank when they're paying him what ten million per season, and yet their other goalie down there is actually not doing too bad at all. They're still in a playoff spot. You look. You have Montreal with Carey Price. They signed into what an eight-year term with ten million per. Year. I can't wait to see what the Braden Holtby contract is going to be after this season. Some team's going to make a massive mistake with that. So it's just yeah. and here and here's the thing. I, I'm a big Murray fan, and I and I and me he, too. He bought out the win Stanley Cups. He comes to the Penguins this summer and says, "I want more than six million a year." Walk. Guess what? I'll be reading Twitter saying, "I would love for another team to be able to pay Matt Murray that because he deserves that contract." But I don't want my hockey team to give him that contract because I know that it's going to hurt my team long term. Yeah, you let you let him walk in that situation. I, I'm re- really, really curious to see what how that negotiation is going to go this summer. I think it, I think it's definitely going to go to arbitration. I, I really don't uh, see it not going to arbitration. I mean, who knows? Because Murray, I, here's the thing, though. So, and, and I want to answer your one question about you know the booing. For one thing, those guys paid their money. You can boo, do whatever you want. Yep. I think you look like clowns because one of the goals, his own defenseman shot in the puck. So are we going to blame him for that? Okay, so he let up one soft goal and one questionable goal. They won the freaking game. <laughs> so you look like a clown because you're booing your own goalie. And honestly, he played pretty freaking good the rest of the game. He, he won them the game. Saves. He won them the game. the game. He made 34 saves against probably, to me, their, I know Washington's good. I, I would rather play Washington in the seven-game series than Boston just because of the way Boston plays. That's a tough team, maybe. Jari played them. The, you know, I saw people, oh, Jari should be that. He lost. <laughs> he played them third day and lost. Yeah. So are you blaming the team? Are you blaming the goal? And, again, I've said a couple weeks ago, 
right now with this whole Mar- Murray Jari thing, you see it on the weekly night where you know a deflection goes and gets Murray and it's he sucks, blah 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 blah. And Jari will give up a goal and it's it's the defense's fault. It's the same thing. I don't even care, but I just don't I don't understand why you would root against your own goalie. I really have to question it. Other than uh, you want to know that if he does well he does bad, you can say, I told you so. But I hate Jack Johnson as a player. But I hope he wins a Stanley. I hope he scores a comforting goal. Oh uh, God, I'd, I'd, I'd be here for that. I'd want to see Twitter burn. <laughs> I will change my name to Jack Johnson fan account on Twitter if he does. I swear <laughs> to God. That would that would be. Uh, I would pay to see Twitter. Uh, it would melt down so hard if that happened. But no, I, I completely agree. There's there's a lot of weird people. On Penguins Twitter, that will root against Matt Murray. You know, you know the same could be said about Penguins Chronicles with Chris Letang. He actively roots against the number one defenseman because I think Chris Letang was like with his girlfriend or something before he met him or something. I don't know. It's it's, it's a weird obsession that some people have with rooting against players or only looking at them um, when they're at like they're at their worst. I guess. And and you can do you can you can do that to a point. You can say you know. I'm, yeah, they won, but I don't, you know, I don't prefer the play of this guy. But to me, if you're that, if it if it takes your joy away, at that point, I mean, are, why are you watching? Yes. Because, you know, I, I work, you know, I'm a father, so I, the three hours that I go and watch a Penns game and interact with people that I enjoy to interact with on Twitter and have fun and make jokes and do all that stuff, that's an, ex- it's called an escape from reality. Same thing we do when we go watch a movie. Why would I? Why would you waste three hours of your life on something that just makes you miserable? I've never in my life understood. Yeah, it it, it, it truly does not make um, any sense at all. And I'm I'm really glad that you you brought all that up because you really did hit the nail on the head for it. But last thing, Chad, before we um, we do end this um, episode of Locked On Penguins, you know, you mentioned it briefly earlier, you know. Forgetting the Penguins are obviously going to make the playoffs. It'll be another record-setting season. They'll still have the longest playoff active streak in the league. I think there's only maybe two teams, maybe one in the East, that I think can take it from Pittsburgh. I think they beat the Islanders. The Islanders are not nearly as good as they were last year. The Capitals, I think, can potentially beat them, but the Penguins have always they usually beat the Caps. It's just... The way Tampa has come on, they're starting to get a little scary, but also they have to shake off, you know, being kind of being the new capitals, I should say, with the way that they haven't been able to put it all together. But, man, if I don't know about you, but sign me up for seven games of Penguins-Bruins in round three with Jake Ensel back in the top six edition because um, I think that is the one true team that I think can take it from the Penguins in a seven-game series. That would just be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's, hockey's always been like that. It's always been about matchups, not like this team is the best and this team isn't. The Penguins, the Penguins to me, I, I would much rather face. I don't care if Tim Bay goes undefeated in the second in the second half of the season, and they might because they're. You're right. They they are they are hot and they have the players, they have the horses to do it. But the best case scenario, yes, that the Penguins proceed out of the, the the Metropolitan Division. They beat the Islanders. They beat the Capitals in the second round, which is always fun. If they play Boston, I really think they will lose that seven-game series. But I think I would be confident that they would be able to beat Tampa in a seven-game series. And what I'm really ho- hoping for, if the Penguins do make it, is give me a Penguins-Avalanche Stanley Cup oh, final man. project. And then 
that would be best for business, in my opinion. But, yeah, my, if you're ranking, like, teams I'm afraid of, Boston's definitely number one. Washington would be two. Just because Washington is – they are tough for the fact that the way they built their team is they did what Rutherford had originally thought yes. he was going to build. They have the, the speed and skill, but they are still big and hit. they hit you all night. So they are a tough team to play. So yeah, but if the Penguins, if they if they if they pull this off the way that I think they're going to, I mean, this is going to go down as as a magical season. But even if they don't win the cup, this season overall has still been so much more fun and refreshing the last two years that I'm just enjoying the ride for the moment. Yeah, absolutely. This has probably been the most fun Penguin season since the second cup season, and I mean, yeah, it's just it's been so much fun to watch this team progress into what they are now and how their speed just pisses off other opponents and. Yeah, with Boston, I just I feel like they have a way that they can get under the Penguins' skin. It, it, it was just evidence in the three games um, this year that the Penguins. I just don't think they like. They just don't like them at all. And I just the I still have oh, I, mean, I still have a little two glass flashbacks from the decade before in that series. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for in that series, of course, killed me because I was supposed to go to Game Five of that series personally because um, I was actually out of school that year, but. Um, yeah, I just it would be a fun series, but I just I think I just don't like that matchup. I mean, I, I like the matchup a lot more. Like you said, against Tampa, they proved and they can beat in almost basically all that cast of characters. I know it was a few years ago, and there's a lot of new faces on Tampa, but the, a lot of the core players are still there, and the Penguins um, have beaten them. But overall, uh, Chad, thank you so much for coming on for this episode of uh, Locked On Penguins. You provided a lot of great insight on the Murray Jari stuff, the trades. Um, and how far you think this team can go? It was it was a lot of fun um, hearing your perspective on it. Yeah, man, I'm happy to do it. I've been I've been listening to your uh, to your your podcast. Def- it's definitely you know the show is getting better and better. So keep up the good work on there. I'll continue to listen, and if you ever want to have me on again, I'll be down for that as well. Yeah, I'll absolutely have you on again, probably as it gets close to the trade deadline, or definitely um, when the playoffs get here as well. Maybe we'll talk about the uh, the playoff matchup a bit more. So. Uh, um, we'll have another episode coming tomorrow, I think. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do for that, considering it's now the All-Star break and the Penguins still don't play for a week. This 10-day break is absolutely um, a killer for doing a daily podcast. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you all soon.